Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. So I've been having a problem at my new job that I'm also about to quit. Oh? <laughs> yeah, so you know how I'm working at the sushi place? Yeah, I think you mentioned it before. Yeah, I got a new job offer, so I'm out. Oh, that was fast. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, my... <laughs> <laughs> well, not only does it pay more, and unfortunately, right. I'm at the point in my life where I can't choose to, uh, you know, just pull a uh, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and... Yeah. You know, although I would also love to just disappear and learn how to make right. shoes. Like, I would do that. But mm-hmm. the, the framing game, yeah. the frame game, it's calling me back. Oh, I'm, ba- I'm coming back for more, baby. You're back in the game. I'm back in the frame game. They, uh, I tried to get out, but, you know, I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't stay away. Yeah. And now I, I do know how to cut up a fish, though, now. I feel like... For, for, hmm. Especially for the sake of today's exhibit, that really ups my Florida credibility. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, I mean, you're a real fishmonger. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a real fishman. <laughs> you know, which I, I, I don't know. That kind of sounds like, it sounds like a dentist's last name. You know, Dennis Fishman. Yeah, you know my, my, uh, my mom had a dentist named dr whitehead and i really feel like he should have been a dermatologist yeah wait a minute how many times do you think they were told that wait no no you know what's crazier okay i'm misremembering this my dentist was dr whitehead whoa her dentist was dr gums what yeah dr gum maybe yeah dr gum yeah that's still great oh my god yeah no perfect and then my dad wow. would chime in and be like, I knew a gynecologist that named Dr. Lips. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, kind of, it's maybe, kind of perfect, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe his name was Lipschitz or something. Like, Could have been a vocal coach. <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. I mean, some names are just made in heaven, you know? Absolutely. But anyways, uh, there, there's one more problem with the sushi. I mean, otherwise, it's fun. Everybody is so nice. Right. My coworkers are very friendly. But I have uh-huh. another issue. Oh, what's that? So every day I get in, I start mm-hmm. making the sushi rice. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm learning. I'm learning all the all the things you're supposed to do. I wash the rice four to five times. Right. Right. I uh, start. Um, you know, getting uh, the seaweed ready to wrap. I get my knives ready. I'm all sanitized up, ready to cut up some raw fish. Ooh. Um, and then I look at the menu of the rolls I'm supposed to be making, and I see inside-out rolls. Uh-huh. And then for the next four hours at least, this will be in my head, you know, like, 
I would swallow my pride, I would choke on the rinds, but the lack thereof would leave me empty inside. Swallow my doubt, turn it inside out, find nothing but faith in nothing. Wanna put my tender heart in a blender, watch it spin around to a beautiful oblivion. Rendezvous, then I'm through with you. Oh my god. So that's what happens to me every day, and then that plays in my head for four hours at a time is eve six spelled with a y like eve's klein or um i believe uh you know what i i'm not gonna look it up let's say it is fair enough mm-hmm. Jeez, that's that's really some sort of hell you're living in then mm-hmm. i mean song's catchy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> well uh speaking of things that uh we forgot existed <laughs> oh okay so this is a uh this is a special exhibit today i think because we are really going to get into things that i think we have always been meaning to talk about and hopefully we'll be talking about more here Mm -hmm. at the uncanny county museum um you know both the This being born out of our love of small town museums. I mean, I worked for uh, for two summers, worked for a small museum in Montana. And, you know, you have to love that, you know, there there are places where real science and historical research is being done. But also because it's a small town museum, there's just always a taxidermy two headed calf. (laughs) You know? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, and like other stuff that's just like really charming. Like you're not going to see this at another museum. Um, right. And it just like will never quite have the charm of it. Like there was a taxidermy mountain lion at the Carter huh. County Museum. And its legs were like its front legs were mounted like it was doing like windmill arms like interesting like like it was swimming like straight arms like you're swimming backstroke or like it was about to hurl a bowling ball weird like okay. back behind it yeah um huh like like it's like Scooby Doo swimming in a Hanna Barbera cartoon am i painting <laughs> a picture here yeah yeah um, no you're definitely getting a visual yeah and it was mounted like that supposedly because the guy who shot it said that's what it looked like as it was dying. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty messed up. Yeah. And again, this is a great museum. <laughs> the Carter yeah, County Museum. Yeah, go, go, go visit it in Ekalaka. Um, check it out. I mean, once, uh, once the pandemic's over, they, they right, have a very course. high elderly population. Please do not kill anybody in Ekalaka. I will be very yeah. sad. Um, and I, I hopefully will be back out there not uh, in the not too distant future. Mm. But, um, you know, small town museums. It's it's very cool to get to see things that would not normally be in a larger museum. And a lot of times I feel like you can get closer to things. Mm. You know, some things are of questionable validity to science and history. Right, but, yeah. you know, I'm I'm here for it. It's neat. It is neat. That is a good way to put it. I will say that. And there's also kind of something special about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you, did you have Do you have a formative small town museum experience? 
Um, not like really, I think in the areas that I grew up in, but I think growing up, you know, I traveled around a lot, especially going from New Jersey to South Carolina for summers. That was a big, um, mm-hmm. you know, family mm-hmm. vacation with everybody. And I think down there, I saw a lot of like, you know, small town, weird museums about like ghosts or haunted places or, you know, things with like mythical creatures like mermaids in particular or the whole, you know, large sharks and the bones and different things. So I feel like a lot of my like roadside museum charm comes from Mm -hmm. that. Like this more seafaring experience um, and being mystified by that, as well as then like real ones. Like we, like I remember <laughs> there's one like when I went to go visit a college down in in Charlotte, North Carolina. We stopped at a massive cave because we just did. Like I don't know, we just like <laughs> found this cave on the way. And my dad's like, "Oh, remember this cave that we visited once." You know, <laughs> 30 years ago, but definitely not that long ago, but something yeah. like that. And I'm like, I, well, I wasn't born, so no. Um, and then like, oh, let's let's just let's take a detour. And we stopped and we went in. It was actually like really cool and took a tour and whatever. And like, you know, you go in the gift shop and they have like the rocks mm-hmm. that you can like, they're like two dollars for the bag oh, yeah, or whatever. They'll, they'll, sell, they'll sell you like the, the geodes or the bag yeah. of rocks. Yeah, yeah, bag of rocks. And there's always some sort of stuffed animals. Like, I feel like all rinky-dink, you know, roadside museums all have this, like, very distinct There's gift a bunch of wild look. safari animals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird merch kind of thing. I never really yeah, quite understood yeah. it. But if, I, I, if it's, like, a classy place, you'll have the wild <laughs> safari and the, like, skilch. Yes. I, I don't know how to pronounce mm. it, but, but that, that like, yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Toy company. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Those were those were the good dinosaur toys. I mm. loved getting those from museum gift shops. Yes, yes, absolutely. I was more of a books kid, or I mm-hmm. I remember I had I had a whole quest to find a toy musket for like two years, and we oh. went on so I don't know why. Don't ask me why, but I was like really into the Revolutionary War for some reason. I think this was pre cosplay days for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank God I never became one of the <laughs> the the recreation like people. No, no hate, but you know I no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember dragging my parents to like different museums for like a summer or two just to find one of these, and then like I eventually did. So yeah, yeah, and gift shops are well, weird. Yeah, uh, yeah. I um, I mean, also the. The, the the fun thing about roadside stuff and right is that you do realize that and maybe this is a lesson that we also learned from tiger king is that like mm-hmm. any schmuck can like put together some money buy up some swamp land and just put up whatever they want you can yeah literally you want like in plant city in florida there's this place called dinosaur world uh, have I talked about Dinosaur Worlds here before? I it, don't remember it. Dinosaur World was my favorite place on the entire goddamn earth. Oh, um, wow. Okay. And it was just this swamp filled with life-size fiberglass dinosaurs that some huh. person just made and you just pay and you go in there a great little dinosaur gift shop you go you walk over a wooden bridge and you know you're just walking around there's like 
you know, it's just like just there there there's a there's a T-Rex up up <laughs> in the trees. And then you're walking around and huh. like there's a triceratops. And there's a baby triceratops. And there is like there was like this one incredibly graphic sculpture of these uh uh is tearing apart like some kind of hadrosaur like like pulling out its intestines jeez yeah great children's attraction of course i was incredibly <laughs> critical of the anatomy of those oh god yeah but i'll never forget the first time we were driving there um and i asked my dad where are we going and my parents, you know, wanted to keep it a secret from me. Right. And they were like, you know, we're, we're not going to tell you. And then finally, my dad's like, I'll tell you where we're going. We're going, uh, you know, you know, when you go uh, get your hair cut? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, we're going to where the barber takes all of the old barber hair. They roll it up into a giant ball and then they use it as a home for cockroaches. <laughs> what? <laughs> And that I was like trying to imagine how the logistics of this would work before I could figure it out. We pulled up to Dinosaur World. <gasps> so exciting. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Oh yeah, no, I was up on all the hot Dinosaur World gossip, like when they would, you know, get new sculptures. <laughs> um someone at some point stole a Celiophysis sculpture from it. Oh wow. Big hard hitting news, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, Made the papers. But and yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, it's sort of this charm of local news as well that, you know, everybody loves, like, local local, local news, you know, we it, it, best case scenario, you know, it's important local government information, the right. weather, and bear sightings. Like, that is what <sighs> we all want out of, you know, the local news is to see footage of... <laughs> of people <laughs> who have black bears in their backyard yeah um <laughs> yeah uh or you know uh cat stuck in tree and then it's yeah. finally taken down yeah celiophysis stolen from <laughs> dinosaur world <laughs> a true scandal yes yes and i mean clearwater where i grew up i mean clearwater beach i feel like has always been a pretty hot destination but i feel like and i can't claim to like know the real old florida i was born in 1994 mm, you right. know yeah but i like to imagine like like when i was growing up it was all mostly still drawbridges huh. going all around my area and now i think all but one of them have been replaced with high span bridges you know just like these mm. incredibly hall incredibly tall just basically you know uh overpasses going over the intercoastal out to clearwater beach mm, um, right yeah and even like i i think they're still trying to kind of preserve the quaint charm of indian rocks beach but everything on clearwater beach is incredibly overbuilt if you look out at it from a bit of a view like i've been to my dad's apartment building where you can look out and you can see clearwater beach from his floor like not the beach itself but you can see the island it's on mm -hmm. and it's a little like it's like kind of like a 
extremely lopsided and I, I, I this is this is like um this is probably uh blasphemous to say, but it's kind <laughs> of the same like weird optics when you look at Manhattan, you know? Huh. And you're like, there is so much material piled so high on this tiny strip of land. Weird. And like it doesn't seem like quite right in your head because you're looking at what appears to be more material piled up into the sky than there is ground you know uh-huh yeah Strange. and you you do get the impression like okay this is incredibly overbuilt right yeah and that huh. there is like it it would be difficult to get an experience and a feel of like what old florida was like if you have only been to clearwater beach for sure, yeah. Yeah, or at least that that part of it. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's still like lots of cool wilderness and stuff to explore, but you know, Clearwater Beach is, you know, the <laughs> that's where you go for spring break. It's true, it's a, it's yeah. A, it's a great beach, you know, go go buy some some ice cream, walk on the pier and, you know, get a uh get get accosted by people trying to sell you shark's tooth necklaces, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there's always some guy with a bike and uh I mean when I was growing up you know how there would kind of be like some there's always some guy going around with like playing a boombox speaker on yeah. a bike but riding really slowly. Uh-huh. There was yeah. a guy that would do that but he like was like, you know, like wearing like a tin foil hat. Okay. Going around muttering into a microphone and then like i don't know if he had like some sort of synthesizer or what whoa but he just basically claimed he was making alien noises and this is like an old man doing this (laughs) you know okay yeah you know It's, it's really dada if you think about it it really is. I mean, I think <laughs> about like all of the weird characters of like, like Flip Flop Man. There's a Flip Flop Man. Well, there's many Flip Flop Men. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but I guess th- that's in particular, fair. Be- because my family did races like um, right, five uh, k, ten k, triathlons, duathlons, biathlons. Yeah, normal family uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I had absolutely no social life. <laughs> oh, no. When my mom would run marathons and we would go out to cheer for her or we would volunteer at a water stop, we would always see this guy that we, everybody knew him as Flip Flop Man. He always raced scab, which means hmm. you run a marathon without a number and then you duck out at the end because you didn't pay to be in the race right you just basically are using the course uh that has been plotted out as you know 26.2 miles or whatever the distance is like you know how yeah you you know how long it is you know it's a marathon and the cops are blocking the traffic for you so you basically have a uh a preserved uninterrupted length to run right yeah and this guy was an old man and he was fast, huh. but he was running in flip flops. Just, I can just wow. see his 
his bronze tan skin, his white hair, and just booking it in flip-flops. Huh. Like, yeah. And it was just kind of a local legend. <laughs> you know? Running in flip-flops sounds awful. Yeah. Isn't that like I'm the not... worst thing for your feet, too? Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's terrible for your feet. I mean, unless, I don't know, maybe Keens make... Uh, you know, like a flip flop with some arch support, but still, it's mm, like yeah, you might as well run barefoot. Yeah, honestly, I mean, bare- running barefoot would be better because <laughs> yeah, I've had to stop wearing flip flops because my because I'm a fidgeter and my th- this is maybe too much information, but my toes like to play with the weird thing the like thong that goes in between your toes <laughs> yeah and, like i always end up pulling them out so mm. i i am i am firmly a birkenstocks person now yeah i subscribe to that lifestyle all the way man yeah i just like pretending i'm a monk strolling on the beach like i'm <laughs> like i'm monk by the sea and my abbey <laughs> has been destroyed i'm staring out at the open ocean and oblivion you know yeah, like to, that's what I like to think when I go to the beach. <laughs> How romantic, literally. Oh, yes, quite. <laughs> For sure. Uh, but yeah, I I really wanted to take this opportunity today to talk about a particular Florida legend. Like, OK, yeah, and you know, so so where I'm from in Clearwater, there were a couple local phenomenon. Uh huh. Interesting. There's all the Scientologists, which all kind of feel <laughs> like cryptids in a certain way. They kind of are, if you think about it. Yeah. Um. There's Hulk Hogan, also a cryptid. Yes, I would sometimes catch glimpses of him driving around in his Hummer, always wearing a <laughs> bandana. Always, he's got it. Always, That's the look. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. And I guess we're also known for Winter the Dolphin. Is that for that movie? Yes, Dolphin Tale. It, oh, right, because isn't, isn't your, like, hometown, do, like, where Dolphin Tale happens? Like, isn't that the it whole is. state? That's wild yes. to me. My sister really liked that movie. <laughs> so I saw it in passing. Yeah, it was one of those movies that, like, it came out, and, like, I remember, because I would, like, go to, like, day camp and stuff at the Clearwater Marine Aquarium, I right. remember when they got winter. Like, that was a big huh. deal. But, like, then all the other stuff, like, I saw in the trailer, it's like, and a storm's coming, and all this <laughs> other stuff is happening. And I'm like, I don't remember any of that happening. <laughs> You're like, there was no storm. What do you mean, Hollywood? Morgan <laughs> where, Freeman, uh, what was, are you talking where was, about? Where was Morgan Freeman this whole time? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Morgan Freeman who played Nelson Mandela, mm. who was from South Africa. Right. Which is actually where our story begins. Really? Yes. Oh. So, we got to go back in time. Back in time. Here we go. TARDIS, yeah, let's yeah. get in it. Yippee yip. So, uh, don't sue us. <laughs> uh, so, uh, our exhibit today... Mm begins in uh off the coast of south africa now 
there are mysterious sightings of a creature. There are footprints in the sand. And there's a mysterious legend of a creature called Silwani Mausi. Ooh. In 1937 and 1938, there are these mysterious sightings of a creature. Right. It's supposed to be kind of like an alligator, um, but enormous. And huh. there are these uh, mysterious feces found. Um, and they are analyzed by a university in Johannesburg. And they are concluded to be mostly made of fish. Hmm. Okay. Nobody ever identifies exactly what they are. Dun dun. Interesting. Now we go to Clearwater, Florida. <gasps> wow! That's the electric guitar that <laughs> comes in. Well, see, I would picture more of a transition from, uh, you know, from that to like, you know, you're like, you have, if this were like the movie of this, yeah. it would be like this intense movie. It's like, what is it? And then it's like, God knows where this thing is heading next. And then, uh, and then it's like, wasted away again in Margaritaville. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I see it. I, I can actually picture my it. Lost shake of assault. Yeah. That makes sense. Some and then it's... people claim that there's a woman to blame. Yeah. And uh no. <laughs> it's my own damn fault. Anyways, um <laughs> was, that, was that the transition? It actually does all those pauses too. <laughs> so we go to uh Pinellas County, my neck mm. of the woods. Oh. It's 3 30 a.m. on Clearwater Beach, February 1948. There are two young lovers in a car. And they see a creature crawl out of the ocean. So, this is the first sighting of old three toes. <gasps> Whoa. Mm -hmm. Wait, that's now, the name they gave it? <laughs> You know, you have to remember, Joe. This is a very this is a this is a different time. It's but, a it's a different if it's a different it's a different time. It's this is the old days. This is old Florida. This is old America. You want right, to know how, right. how how you want to know how old fashioned all of this is? Like when they call the patrol people yeah. to show up, yeah. the guy from the car asks the cops for a rifle so he can shoot the animal. Can you imagine going up to a police <laughs> officer and asking them for their gun to shoot a cryptid? <laughs> oh my god. No, I can't because Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> when I hear old three toes though, I literally think of three human toes. Mmm. Like somebody got into an accident. Somebody stepped into a bear trap. Someone got frostbite. I mean, no, not even like, like three, like think of like a, like a dinosaur foot, but like, you know, like maybe like the stereotypical ones was like three. I'm not a paleontologist. Don't sue me, but it's just <laughs> three human toes that are really large. Is that what it's like? Huh? Well, I mean, human <laughs> toes are kind of weird and rounded. Yeah. But okay, so these uh, th these tracks that they find are, uh, you know, going um, 
up and down the beach. They uh, apparently cause a whole uh, freak out in the local uh, in, in the town just because, you know, people are weirded out. Like, what the heck did these people see come out of the ocean? Uh, the yeah. next morning, they find two miles of oh. tracks that seem to come out of the surf, walk along the beach, and then walk back in to the water. Uh, well, that's yeah, sketch. there's from from this original um, this original encounter. There are there's no original documentation. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah. But, you know, this is again, this is this is old timey, old timey Florida. This is, you know. Yeah. And, and again, the weird thing to remember about Florida is. Like, you know, even when my parents we're looking for a place to live because it's like i want to like enjoy the the folksiness because um uh a lot of the information we're going to be getting today our source is a wonderful <laughs> a wonderfully designed uh book from my collection that i i have had since i was quite young called florida's unexpected wildlife by mm. uh one michael newton uh, the, the cover alone should sell you on this book. I, I somehow found it in a Barnes and Noble when I was, you know, a teenager and have been obsessed with it because I always wanted to be a cryptozoologist. And like, you know, I'm reading it. All <laughs> of the quotes in it are like very old timey and quaint. You know, everybody refers to things in vague euphemisms. Huh? You know, <laughs> they, uh, you know, like it, it when it's referring to all the stuff that's happening, like people are saying the local residents became well nigh hysterical oh wow <laughs> you know un until the tide comes in and it, you know washes yeah. away the tracks and it's like but, right. but okay it's ba back to my thing you know like even it's like it's like that part's fun but also i even know from when my parents were looking for a place to live in like mm -hmm. you know early 90s they're like okay well let's look at these uh they're like with a real estate agent and they're like so you can look at these areas to live but not these areas and they're like why and they're like oh jews don't live there oh wow yeah and like you know my stepdad had stories about like he went out on a beach and like nobody was enforcing it necessarily but there was like you know like an old sun bleached sign that would say like you know no Jews, no blacks, no Italians. Jesus you know, Christ. So so this is the world that they are living in. This is a, a folksy beach community. But remember, this is also the South. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Oh my God. Yeah. So everybody is freaking out. Um, there's no photos, no documentation. So fast forward a bit to March 6th. Again, this is 1948. A mile and a half away, 100 yards of tracks are discovered in the sand. Um, huh. Yeah. Uh, March 20th, there is another uh, sighting on Dan's Island. April 3rd, moves down to Indian Rocks Beach, right around where I grew up. Interesting. There are some more scattered sightings and tracks around Tampa Bay. Uh, then, towards the end of July, July 25th, John Milner and George Alphonides. I, yeah, that, yeah, there's, that sounds right. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. They are flight instructors, uh, and they are flying a plane, and in shallow, what they call crystal clear water off of Hog Island, which if you uh, live in the area is now called Caladesi, they see a huge creature that they, they, they can see from the plane is swimming in the shallow water. Hmm. Has, they describe it as having a uh, head like an, not unlike an alligator, a heavy blunt tail, very hairy, and back legs, also like an alligator. Um, they're later joined by Marco Hernandez and Francis Willock, uh, mm. owner of the Beachcomber restaurant. And they confirm uh, that they are seeing something uh, from the plane. Like they go, they fly back, fly yeah. back to where they took off from, pick up these other two guys, and then the four of them fly back out to look at this swimming oh. in the water. And they say it has four limbs. The front pair uh, are sometimes held against the body. Um, Then in August, uh, in Ancloak Key, this is a place that I actually have been camping. Uh, It's a, like, island a couple miles off the coast of, like, north of Tarpon Springs. Um, A couple from Milwaukee see a creature... Uh, that they describe as having a head like a rhino, but it has flippers. Interesting. Weird. Yes, yes. And then we we get we get some more um, fewer tracks, but more sightings. Uh, the deacon of a Baptist church called Mister Hayes uh, is having a picnic by a river. Uh, him and some other people see something, but um, their boat is not working, so they can't go after it. Three days later. Uh, quote-unquote local character, Mary Bell Smith, sees a creature that she says was, quote, certainly larger than a horse, swimming, <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> swimming in the Swanee Gables River. It was, it was right, Uncle Joe. He was there. <laughs> like, what you know, could be anyone. You know what I picture her as? I picture her as this like middle-aged woman that would show up at open mics um, when I would play at this place called the Pesky Pelican. Excellent name. Yes, and she would get up and she played this song that was um, like a parody song of Royals by Lord, but she would change all the words, and so it was a song about all of them hanging out at the Pesky Pelican. Oh, that's fun. I like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's what I like to picture her as when they say <laughs> local character. But I don't know. If, maybe in the 40s, local character just meant a single woman. An yeah, un, yeah. You know, an, Who knows? An unmarried woman with agency, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, what finally happens, uh, so, so the sightings start to focus around this river. In Swanee Gables, um, 242 impressions over 200 yards are found, and these are the ones that will actually be studied and documented. Whoa. Enter Ivan Terrence Sanderson. Hmm, what a name. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so get ready, because this is, uh... This is this is where uh, things where where people start, are starting to take this seriously. Oh God! Um, Sanderson uh, was Scottish. He's from Edinburgh. Oh, but nice. He spent a lot of time on his father. Uh, born in 1911, 
spent a lot of time uh and his father's game reserve in kenya huh and um i i would have to look this up because a lot of what is described in the book is sounds like questionable information but it claims that sanderson had master's degrees in botany geology and zoology whoa okay but i don't know if this is like old timey you know like people like being like natural philosophers like if this guy was like doing any hard science because he's also like a reporter okay yeah so i'm not i i would have to do some more research on this guy sounds like a character yeah um he wrote a lot of books i'd like to read to you uh some of the titles of his books yeah laid on us (laughs) all right um these are his zoological titles okay animal treasure caribbean treasure animals nobody knows living treasure animal tales living mammals of the world follow the whale <laughs> i like Wait, that what? follow the whale <laughs> Wait, the monkey on. kingdom <laughs> the continent we live on the dynasty of abu the natural wonders of america <laughs> ivan sanderson's book of great jungles <laughs> the usa <laughs> this treasured land um and then and then he apparently started getting into cryptozoology oh now we're getting into it <laughs> He uh, released uh, Abominable Snowman, Uninvited uninvited Visitors, Things, and then more. And I swear to God. Okay. Things is in quotation marks. 1967, followed by more, quote unquote, things, 1969. More things, followed by more things. Invisible Residents, Investigating the Unexplained. Also, he founded the Society uh, for the Investigation of the Unexplained in 1965. Half those titles are just statements. What does it even mean? Things. I'm losing my mind. Uh, uh, Yes, I'm author of things. (laughs) Follow the whale. The USA. What is happening? Oh, my God. I, I have not laughed that hard in so long. (laughs) Jesus. Hi there, my name is Colby White, and I'm one of the hosts from Force Football Facts, a podcast where my friend Zachary and I force our other friend Tyrell to give us insights into the game, even though he doesn't know anything about it. We use our humor to bring you weekly football news in a new way that takes fan opinions into account, while also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much. You can check us out on our website, forcefootballfacts.com, or wherever podcasts are available. Hope to see you soon. So he's um been he had been kind of he had heard about the um the old three toes thing in July of that year you know because the uh the Miller Orphanides uh sightings you mm-hmm. know um had been reported on uh and he had he had heard about the case all the way in New York oh wow so, yeah so you know this is getting a little bit of news sure yeah yeah. Uh, NBC commissions an investigation mm-hmm. and he sets off for two weeks in Florida to study these uh, 242 prints and impressions that have been found. Okay. He's on the journey, yeah. on the hunt. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, you have no idea. Oh, no. So, <laughs> it is determined that this creature had a five-foot stride. The footprints had varying depth, were about two inches deep. Um, Sanderson uh, consults some unnamed highway engineers that tell him that these footprints would require, quote, one ton on each leg to Whoa. achieve the depth that they do in the sand and soil. Now, is he just guessing at these? You know, they, uh, you know what? Let's let Sanderson speak for himself. Okay, fair enough. Are you ready for this? Yes, lay it on me. Okay, so he wrote... The footprints were impressed into the ground to varying depths according to the nature of the soil. One in a soft sand, one was at least two inches deep all over. Those in a firm mud were about an inch and a half deep in the middle of the ball of the foot. On loamy soil they appeared to have been pressed to a depth of about three quarters of an inch. We were told by several people who have observed the tracks when they are fresh. These included local police, that the imprints were originally defined in the heart of the sand, although we were unable to make any impression of this by stomping or even throwing a 35-pound model of the imprints down upon it from a height of three feet. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we just lost all of our uh, Scottish uh, yeah. museum patrons. Yeah. I mean, for me, I try to remember what Douglas Henshaw sounds yeah. like from Primeval. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's a fair way to go about it. I think I just try to listen to like all of the movie Train Spotting, and then mm -hmm. read the book, which is written in the dialect. So right, yeah, I definitely yeah. recommend it if you want to just hear your own mm -hmm. thoughts in or Scottish or listen accent. to a Big Country Live album and hear oh. Stuart Adamson just like. There, there's this great <laughs> clip of Big Country playing live and a fight breaks out in the audience and Stuart Adamson drum, jump, jumps down to break up the fight. And then he gets back up on the mic and he's like, for a group that is definitely not about violence, that was a little bit stupid. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thanks, thanks. I loved that video. Yeah. <laughs> I love Big Country. Great, great, great Scottish band. Absolutely. So, yeah, according to these unnamed engineers and some experiments where, you know, he's just basically throwing metal models of the prints at the sand, they can't seem to replicate the depth. Hmm. Which is like... Uh, so, so, you know, they're, they're, they're making a lot of claims about how big this creature would have needed to be to make these impressions in the soil. They also say that there is varying depth, uh, or sorry, length to the prints that, you know, they seem to, uh, the toes seem to move. Hmm. So they claim, okay, well, this couldn't just be done with impressions. Right, uh, right. And that individual footprints uh, turn inward or outward at, quote, strangely incongruous angles huh okay yeah um so they're sanderson it's hard to say i'm going to say he's maybe sincere about this that he really believes there is a creature yeah 
because I, I, don't, I don't know if he's being like, you know, just trying to get sensation. Maybe he is as a reporter or someone trying to get material for a book. But he is very clearly looking at all of the sightings and all of these footprints as nothing could have been, you know, you know, this, this could not have been made by a person because the weight required to press down into the sand uh, would would not work. Right. Um, yeah. You know that you that you would need so much weight to press down into the into the pack, which is I, I I am I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine myself because as someone that has made his, you know, fair share of footprints in the sand and then, you know, I turned around and it was only my footprints and I, I don't know how the rest of the whatever it is goes. Yeah, Jesus, but whatever. <laughs> You can, I would say you are pretty capable of, with your small human foot, making yeah. some pretty deep impressions in the sand, but they're, they're, they're convinced that this, this had to be something very large and very heavy to right, be able to do yeah. this. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they take, he takes a lot of measurements. He's very fascinated with like, mm -hmm. you know, the toe, the tip of the toe to the length of the heel. And he suggests that these, you know, whatever this is, based on all of the sightings and everything, he he suggests that old three toes was a an unknown species of giant penguin. Okay. Yeah. Now that's interesting. Yes. Oddly, though, uh, Sanderson claims to have seen a uh, unknown creature in the river. Uh, that he's described as dirty yellow, and huh. then a another person claimed a couple days later to have seen the very same thing. Whoa, that's actually no, that's kind of wild though. <laughs> um, <laughs> a, I'm not really over this giant penguin. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I envision like a gen generic beachfront that I presume is what Florida looks like on the East Coast. That is, and then mm -hmm. there's just a big emperor penguin like really yeah. big emperor penguin yeah. just kind of like standing there do you think that's kind of what was going on i mean okay so let's let's talk about penguins i mean peng emperor penguins are big yeah they're like what four feet five feet tall yeah they're like size of a small human yeah. or a child like yeah you know. for sure but these footprints okay the like a toe here we're talking about is like over 10 inches long right for like the left foot outer toe uh 10.24 inches inner toe left foot 10.91 inches hmm i am i i am again you know what i'm not i'm not an anti-inch person uh -huh. like i i appreciate inches and feet you know, as, okay. as some as someone that that works cutting things a lot, I find it a, actually is a good measurement system. I object to using them in yeah. decimal form. OK, yeah, I get that. Ten point ninety one inches. Use keep, keep that shit to to metric. <laughs> yeah, that means exactly. nothing. Yeah, literally. Ten point ninety one inches. A hard agree. That means nothing. 
but uh, oddly feet are a little uh odd shaped uh the right foot is uh on the outer toe is 9.87 inches inner toe on the mm-hmm. right foot 11 inches odd that's really yeah weird. yeah um but you know they're, they're trying to calculate you know how big this thing is how big its stride would have been um but you know those are big feet this would be an enormous penguin oh yeah for sure big if true we're talking about dinosaur-sized footprints here. Yeah. So, Sanderson wraps up his reporting and leaves. Okay. And that, you would think, that's where the story of old Three Toes ends. I mean, yeah, that's what I yeah. assumed it was over. Well! <laughs> in 1988, in June of 1988... Flash forward now. Now, what do we got? What do we got? We got to have like some 80s like synth pop playing, right? Yeah, hit it. Okay. So now it's the 80s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hold on, let me so, get this cool jacket on real quick that I'm yeah, saving. It's the 80s. It's Florida. Everybody's wearing, you know, their neon and doing cocaine. Oh, yeah. True. You know, everyone's like, Ronald Reagan, why can't he be president forever? Mm. Yeah. That again. Yeah. So, a man uh, by the name of Tony Signorini. Nice. Um, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So Tony Signorini approaches the St. Petersburg Times, now uh, known as the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, Change, change that. They changed that name during my childhood, I think. Huh. He approaches the St. Pete Times and says, hey, remember old three toes? That was me. What? Yeah, he says that him um, and a man named Al Williams, who had been long since deceased, uh, did the whole thing. Huh. He produced some iron, some iron feet that uh, if you I I suggest for people to look up a picture of these uh, (laughs) of these shoes, because they're kind of they're kind of amazing. You know, it's just like sneakers (laughs) attached to these oh my god basically metal feet uh, shaped vaguely like dinosaur footprints and that's not you know entirely by coincidence they got the idea after they had seen dinosaur footprints in new mexico <laughs> oh wow and uh yeah so they uh they basically would ride on a boat at night up to the, the you know up to the beach you know, launch from somewhere else, come up to, uh, cause like, um, Clearwater Beach, because of the intercoastal, you know, you have the, the ocean side, uh, not ocean, right. but it's the Gulf of Mexico. Sure. Yeah. But, th- but then you have this area of shallow water where most people keep their boats because it's more protected. Hmm, um, okay. And so you can kind of, like we would have to do this if we ever wanted to take the boat to go out to the beach is you take the boat 
from this intercoastal area, you find one of the gaps that the bridges go over, and then you're out in the Gulf, and you can pull your boat right up to Clearwater Beach, um, you know, and all that's behind you is the is the Gulf of Mexico. Huh. So what they would do is essentially pull the boat up to the beach, and he would come out of the surf wearing, you know, basically iron giant feet and just, you know, leap around using the weight and basically the momentum of the feet to, you know, swing himself from footprint to footprint, leaving them in the sand and then walk back out into the surf and the boat would take him so that you wouldn't have, you know, uh, the, exactly. the human yeah. footprints leading up right, to it. Right, right. Smart. Yeah, and it's kind of like, it's kind of so dumb and simple. But, yeah. you know, it's just basically like you could kind of, basically the, the St. Pete Times and a, uh, a the, the reporter Mike Dash, you know, basically reports on this and says, yeah, no, all of the prints that we have match these foot, these shoes perfectly. Wow. You know, this is just, and basically explains everything else away as mass hysteria. All the wow. all the sightings and it just kind of shrugs off the rest of it. Um, because you have this guy who kind of has good evidence coming forward and saying, Yeah, I yeah. did all that. But Tony only accounts for about seven of the twenty ish sightings or tracks found. And oh. he was doing this more around the Indian Rocks Beach area, and this would not necessarily account for some of the other uh, sightings seen up north. Right. And uh, his friend Al Williams never mentioned any of this uh, in his time uh, alive. And basically, wh what this comes down to is this seems to be a pretty open and shut thing. You mm -hmm. know, you have a guy... The timeline adds up. He has the shoes that match the footprints. Um, you know, at, or at least the footprints that we have records of. And right. it it just kind of it just it just kind of all makes sense, you know, that this was some yeah. guy with a basically pulling off kind of a dumb hoax. Yeah. And it's just it's just it's just kind of some local fun. You know, yeah, it's it's very much in line with like guy with a shark fin on his back, you know. Yeah, like that yeah. Kinda, that's the vibe I'm getting. That's what's wild to me is that the anticlimactic feeling of, hey, you remember this? I did it, and it's like, but yeah, oh. you know, now you know there's one old like really racist guy like hanging out in the bar, and he's like, yeah. damn Italians. Yeah, knew we true. knew we should have kept him off the beach, you know. Yeah. that's like <laughs> ruining this, ruining this great ruining country this, with the with, dinosaur feet. Yeah, and the cocaine and the the mod, their good pizza. <laughs> I made deep dish pizza the other day. Oh, not very Italian of you, though. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I had fun with it, and that's what's It sounds important. good. It sounds good. You're making me crave deep dish pizza now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would really love to, like... You know, what I would give to go back to Italy, but also what I would give to, Fair. like, invite over our old professors and <laughs> give them a deep dish pizza. 
day. You know? Oh my god, I would. I want to see that. I I know a few who would be so excited, <laughs> and a few who would absolutely be horrified. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, so another great, another great uh, Italian yeah. hero, um, Tony Stromboli. Uh, um, <laughs> what was his name? For the, the, I, I forgot his name. Signorini. Oh, that was yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> This is Supernatural on the Rocks, a new Supernatural podcast hosted by two of the voices behind Glee on the Rocks. I am Emily, a longtime viewer of Supernatural who could never let it go. And I'm Mandy, a fan of the start who did let it go, but it just wouldn't stay gone. Every episode, we cover a season of Supernatural. Digging into the mythology, the characters, and the fandom it left behind. With extra episodes when we need to talk just a little bit more. Because there's always more to talk about, isn't there? So join us to remember the road that was at Supernatural on the Rocks. Oh God, yeah, what a what a wild story from beginning to end. I'm still kind of wrapping. I'm still caught on the Penguin, to be honest. Yeah. And also, the, the book titles is really where this peaked for me. I don't think I've gotten over that yet. But here's the th- <laughs> here's the thing, though, because like the book of Florida's Unexpected Wildlife, right? Available wherever fine. Probably out of print paperbacks are sold. Um, uh huh. This is one of this is a great book for many reasons. Um, you know, as as a resource of weird sightings, and it's actually fairly well sourced. Like it provides, you know, actual notations and stuff to like, you know, and is probably this is probably the result of so much research. And and everything like I can only imagine how many old newspapers that the author had to go through. Right. Like, you know, this book, I'm I'm looking at the back of it. Uh, $21. Wow. And recently I purchased a book for class that was $25 and it's only like 77 pages. And I'm like, that is a PDF. Literally, that's a yeah. That is a PDF you could have sent us, and this was twenty five dollars. I get so much more joy out of this. Yeah, true. Yeah, but you know, like the reviews on the back, a sober, engaging, and authoritative introduction to Florida's hidden animals. Uh, that says Paul Le Paul H Leblond, co-founder of British Columbia Scientific Cryptozoology Society. You know, um. Newton takes the general reader, the traveling tourist, and the curious cryptozoologist on a tour of the strange animals and weird cryptids to be found in one of the most popular vacation destinations in existence. Florida, says Lauren Coleman, author of Cryptozoology A to Z. Huh. Okay. And okay, and like, okay, reading this, Michael Newton is a professional writer and author of Encyclopedia of Cryptozoology, the FBI Encyclopedia, and the Invisible Empire, the Ku Klux Klan in Florida, winner of the Florida Historical Society's Rembert Patrick Award. So he's a, he writes about the Klan and cryptozoology. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like when you advertise that, yeah, you're 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 not in you're not pro clan. That's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so 
but basically he spends kind of the rest of the chapter on old three toes talking about how this is an example of the media because old three toes is largely forgotten you know this was like a national story for like literally a minute and then i don't know the 50s were rolling around and we probably had other things going on um right yeah (laughs) i mean it was like i mean (laughs) it's it's 1948 it's those post-war years i mean i imagine there's like some kind of relief of world war ii is done yeah you know, I was yeah. watching. I was watching Rear Window the other day. I've never seen it before. Oh, I haven't either. Yeah, the Hitchcock film. Mm, yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I really oh. loved it. It's just like I really love though the um, I just love kind of the idea of that era of time where like every every like guy that has friends, they're all like, "You remember the war? Remember when we we're fighting those Jerry's?" you know yeah 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 and and grace kelly is there uh, uh so beautiful uh, mm, true yeah anyways uh <laughs> but but yeah just like you know they all got their war stories and it's like i imagine everyone just kind of wanted to imagine there was a giant penguin <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely you know, more lighthearted for sure you know yeah at least no one was like it's a japanese submarine they're back yeah yeah it was it's something more out there it's a little bit more fun and easygoing versus yeah yeah but basically you know what he gets into is um newton that is the author of uh the book Mm -hmm. he is more kind of interested in comparing this to you know the the surgeon's photo of of the loch ness monster that was you know someone came forward and claimed hey no i took that picture uh and it was fake okay yeah yeah and you know he goes through this whole roundabout way of explaining away all of the things he says well maybe uh uh signorini did do some of them but what about all these ones he can't account for and what about the sightings in new zealand and south africa that are definitely connected of course (laughs) yes they have to be yeah he does a lot of just arm waving and saying like that uh that saying that just because someone came forward and said this was a hoax doesn't mean it's a hoax in a not very convincing way a lot of stretched logic and it just kind of sounds like people really want to believe that there was something that crawled out of the ocean and that there are these creatures out there somewhere and yeah the interesting thing to me has always been it's like people that get so it's not that there aren't like legitimate scientists that want to see if there are new creatures out there Uh but i feel like with cryptozoologists and again i wanted to be a cryptozoologist (laughs) when i was a kid it's so great but these people like they really need it to exist because i always get the feeling that they are people that feel like they are they need some kind of in they need some kind of validation because Mm. let's say tomorrow we discover beyond shadow of a doubt there is a bigfoot there is a sasquatch right and it is this big ape thing that lives in the you know the forests of northern california and the pacific northwest 
and it's just been hiding this whole time and you know because like <laughs> I, I think last year we discovered a new species of dolphin oh really yeah yeah like you know we still discover it's very rare huh. but we do discover new species of large mammals from time to time sure yeah yeah in in remote enough places but that wouldn't like change the world you know no yeah like i think we i think we still i think that has limiting my my observation is that these people really need there to be a bigfoot they really need there yeah. to be these cryptids because it's some kind of validation for them and it is some kind of it is like something they can be right about yeah um, yeah for sure yeah, it, and and i think that's why you get like with aliens and yeah bigfoot all of that stuff i feel like also gets so wrapped up in like new age spirituality oh, because God, they yeah. also seem to be you know publish lots of books with terrible graphic design yeah we gotta talk about that at some point because it, it's yeah really weird yeah yeah and uh the like to give you an example, Florida's unexpected wildlife. On the left, there is a um, you know, this is a regular like portrait shaped book, paperback shaped, you know? Right. On the left third of the book, there is a a sideways illustration of a skink lizard. Okay. Like like the the, the drawing was turned sideways to fit the length of the book. <laughs> of course. And then on the right in a completely different style is like a painting of what I assume is skunk ape, another oh. Florida cryptid that I think we'll have to talk about on another day. Definitely. And you know, it's like it's cropped weird. It's oh. you know, it, yeah. uh, the, yeah. the painting isn't quite long enough to go the full length of the book. Hmm. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful is what I'm saying, you know. The, <laughs> it's peak the, graphic the, design. The text has shadow underneath it, but it's also kind of fun cuz the letters have varying yeah. thicknesses. Okay. Yeah. That sounds I, hectic. <laughs> it, it is it is its own self-contained world and these people uh that that get so invested in cryptozoology, it is it, I think we have to talk about the fact that it is it is not a science because it is not seeking new animals for the reason that real scientists seek new animals. It is seeking new creatures to uh, to justify a view of the world that there is and always will be some kind of secret. Yeah, I I think it, I think it's around that. I really do because there's also kind of I think that notion of like. Well, you can't disprove it and you can't prove it. So it's this like, you know, purgatory that they're constantly in of whether mm -hmm. or not something exists. Yeah. But I think it's that driving factor of wanting it to be real no matter yeah. what and convincing oneself. His whole rant about the Loch Ness monsters, like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. Here? And he goes on this whole rant about it, and it's like, I thought we were talking about this giant <laughs> penguin, and he's talking yeah. about Nessie, and that, yes. like, just because, just because some guy claims to have faked a photograph doesn't even mean that he really faked that photograph. 
Yeah, see, here's the deal. When people do that, they lost. The argument's mm-hmm. gone because you you can't discuss what's at hand, so you're making an example to something else that has nothing to do with what we're talking about so you can be right. You know, so yeah, it feels it's... like it's like one of these situ- like in that argument it just feels like one of those situations where they're so, you know, they want to be right or they want to back that up that they're going to just disprove this whole other thing that has nothing to do with what they're talking about but then it also makes it so oh no but it's actually possible that even though you know they said that they did it they really didn't do it because it mm-hmm. i didn't spend all my life focusing on this <laughs> you know for them to say that they did that like it almost feels like this like i cannot admit defeat like yeah. i have to be right because if i'm not right then what's the point it's very like yeah. existential in a way almost a lot of the times i feel for some of these like you know people who spend their whole lives devoted to this or devoted mm-hmm. to some sort of like i don't know cryptozoology you know where they're trying to prove the existence of a myth um yeah and in a way i think it's really fascinating to be honest mm-hmm. and and at parts i think admirable it's it's not when it gets to something like this in my opinion because you know it could be a kind of dramatic yeah but i think i don't know i i i kind of file these things into the category of almost like people who have different faiths in a way um mm. because when it doesn't necessarily affect anybody else at the end of the day you can do what you want yeah it it does it does not do necessarily direct active harm to believe that a giant penguin yeah visited the <laughs> of... penguin I, I can't do it i i genuinely keep vision like think of any emperor penguin toy like a statue <laughs> and just that times 10 on a florida beach amazing i yeah. I, I just i mean i want to believe right like that well, sounds yeah, that's, so that's, fun that's the thing is like this is such a more at the end of the day it is a more interesting way of looking at the world yeah, and i think it that's is what's so tantalizing about cryptozoology is that there is some mystery left and that yeah in in, in looking at the world as especially now where we have so much surveillance we have so much oh god yeah it's yeah it it would it would mean that there is still room for that and i think it is interesting to connect it to faith as well because like i said earlier there's this crossover that i don't think people talk about enough between like aliens cryptids and new age quasi christian uh you know beliefs that yeah these things are all kind of working together as you know people try to figure out uh, how how the, how uh how belief factors into modern society where we have to you know it, we all have to recognize certain objective truths right right and you feel that there is no um there is no more room in the world for uh Mm. personal truth and you know people approaching things from different points of view you know you can say these 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 are all symptoms of those things yeah i i agree i i think that's an interesting mm, point to be made with that too i i want to jump back real quick as well to yeah. what you said about surveillance mm-hmm. um because i think that's a very, very interesting as well um, as a part of this where there's like you know we're constantly in a world that's being surveyed and, and and looked at and everything 
you know, is is out there. And I think it's interesting to, you know, wonder about something that's never been recorded, that's never been mm-hmm. seen or found, and the mystery yeah. behind that, but also the want to have that. Because I think in a yeah. way that's a freedom that a lot of us, if not everybody, kind of wants at the end of the day. Um, yeah. That's, I don't think, really thought of as much with yeah. this. I mean, How- the, I mean, the real... The most authentic scientific version of this is paleontology. Mm. And, you know, you get a lot of weirdos in paleontology. (laughs) I'm Um, sure. But it is the most, it is the science that, you know, requires true discipline. It is a real science. It is a real science. There are people doing hard work. I think the, the, the um the appeal of it and the the reason why i think it is like we had this whole discussion once we were this is going back to ecolaca we were in a bar and one of the other uh guys i worked with at the museum was like he's like why do you think we do this Hmm. and it was kind of the whole we were all kind of talking about the soft quote-unquote soft science hard science debate within paleontology whether or not paleontology is a hard science and people make the argument that it is a soft science that there is not really anything you can learn about paleontology that you can't learn from a quote-unquote hard science that Hmm. geology and biology really tell us what we need to know to advance what we would think of as practical things right like sure uh uh, where you know we want to you know because like we study the ground but we study it to see if it's you know safe to build something there if there's going to be if we can predict an earthquake if we can predict a volcano if we can know where to uh, mine for resources in biology right. you know we can study uh animals and how they interact with humans and how we can have the most uh mutually beneficial uh experience like those are mm-hmm. the ideal things that we want out of those sciences and paleontology aside from you know kind of using it as a extractive exploitive thing where you know if you study conodonts and you can tell a petroleum company the types of shale that they can drill into that would you know help them find you know uh oil like basically knowing where to drill that's about the only industrial use of paleontology but yeah one thing about paleontology is that I think it serves another purpose to society if you want to get all utilitarian on it, which I kind of reject utilitarianism. But Fair enough. Uh, if you want to make that argument, like what purpose, capital P purpose, does it serve to society, is that it leaves this door open for imagination and science because there's all these things we can learn about paleontology but it's virtually unlimited what we will never know Mm, about paleontology and i think in a world where we kind of 
where I feel like we need uncertainty in certain situations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uncertainty in certain situations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there is a place for that. And yeah. that you have a science that uses physics and chemistry the same as the rest of them but also is crucially kind of apolitical mm, that yeah. you can get kids involved into the museum getting them to use their imaginations and be like wow there were these crazy giant prehistoric creatures if you can get them in there and get them to say, like, how do we know about these things? Well, we use the scientific method. And then right. they're thinking about science. And then the hope is they grow up one day and they're like, scientists say we need to stop dumping plastic in the ocean. We need to yeah. address uh, climate change. We need to do this and that and the other thing. Mm. The hope is that they trust scientists because right. they remember science letting them use their imaginations and letting them you know understand how people figure out problems in interesting ways so in a more mm. roundabout way in a less direct way but i still think an important way this that type of thinking is important to a society yeah i i absolutely agree i think that's and I still yeah. want to believe in some <laughs> cryptids. I still want to believe yeah. somewhere out there in the Australian bush or in Tasmania, the thylacine is out there waiting for me. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a, you know, a level of uncertainty and doubt is important. And yeah. I think should be incorporated because it's, you know, we don't know everything, contrary mm -hmm. to popular belief, right? And that's mm -hmm. okay. We're not supposed to. And, yeah. you know, that's, I think when that's accepted and moved with, it becomes a little bit easier and also leaves room for things to be discovered. Like what you're yeah. saying about paleontology, I think is really, really on point. And, you know, the fact of not only inspiring children and people to kind of trust science and, and grow up with these facts and, and move to discover things, but also this idea of never necessarily being able to discover a full picture of what happened, yeah. you know? I th and I, I think, yeah. Cause I, cause I think crucially paleontology has been so drastically wrong. Yeah. At many for sure. points in its history. And it shows the fallibility of science, but that, yeah. it, that, that bad science is then replaced with better science. And I won't say good science. I'll say better science. Right. Because better. That is the hope. Exactly. Our exactly. science is always improving and changing and getting better. And I right. think I think paleontology lays that out because it directly addresses how certain we can be about some things and how uncertain we can be about others. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's it's a good place in a sense to be and it's a good thing to move with that yeah. science builds on science and replaces bad science with like you said better science and we constantly keep on this kind of pursuit of knowledge that mm -hmm. it's not like they discover one thing and said all right boys we're done we figured out dinosaurs existed and uh you know they were it. giant penguins all along yeah who knew like you know it's, i mean it's that yeah, love... like if sanderson like you dropped him <laughs> in like 
a dinosaur trackway, he'd be like, wow, look at all these giant, or, well, look at all these giant penguins. Wait, that was, wait, that wasn't, that was like Austrian. <laughs> look, it's all these giant, <laughs> I lost it, I lost it. Look, it's all these giant penguins. I, I've never heard a Scottish person say penguins. Giants, giants penguins. I don't know. I don't penguins? know. Did Shrek ever talk about penguins? Don't I guess that's yeah. another Scottish touchstone. Yeah, that's really the defining factor there. Yeah, maybe I'll need to rewatch like some old Simpsons episodes with Groundskeeper Willie. Mm, true, true, true. Or anything with um. Oh my God, what's his name? Sean Connery. Well, yeah, true that. Ewan McGregor. Yeah, but like when he's actually using his real accent. <laughs> Yeah, I like how in no matter what movie he was in, Sean Connery was just like, I'm not I'm not changing my accent. <laughs> this is how I talk. Uh, I'm a dragon. Roar. Yeah. I merely God, that... chew defensively. I never swallowed. <laughs> I that... love Dragonheart my... so much as a kid. That dude, same. I it watched is a miracle. That... It is a miracle I did not become like Dragonkin. Oh, God. Yeah, I kind of, I get that. I watched that movie for the first time on VHS. On <gasps> one of, well, not recently. This was like when I first watched it, I should say. VHS, yeah. I think I still have it, on one of those really tiny TVs that has the VHS player built into it. Yeah. In the corner of a room, of this like room I was in um, with my mom while we were, because like my my parents just started their business and they were in this really tiny house that they were using as the office. And so yeah. they were moving in and we had to wait for someone there and I was off school. <laughs> so that's what we did. And I remember just like sitting in this like corner watching on this TV Dragonheart and just like drinking <laughs> Pepsi. So it's a, I, I have seen that movie so what many times. What a classic movie. I had a DVD that it was interesting because you could flip the DVD and you would get a different movie on the other side. Oh, I missed those. Yeah. Yeah. It was Dragonheart and Dragonheart 2, A New Beginning. Oh, no. Maybe maybe we'll have to do another <laughs> watch along and watch one of the Dragonheart movies and just oh my have God. our childhoods destroyed. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, well, okay, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Have you seen the sequel to Dragonheart? No, absolutely there not. There is... There is a very bizarre portrayal of an Asian man in that movie. <laughs> oh? Oh, no. This, like, old, like, sage man from the mystical Orient comes... Of course. Uh, to teach them about dragons. It... I have not seen any of the. I know there are more, but well, like, the, there are. <laughs> yeah, none of the Dragonheart sequels feature Sean Connery no. or. Was it Kevin Costner? Was the knight? no? It, oh no! It was okay. The cast is Sean it Connery. Was, oh god! You was, have no. It wasn't Kevin Costner. It was uh, uh, d d Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Oh yeah, my god! It's not it was Dennis Quaid. <laughs> He looks like Harrison Ford and Kevin Costner as one. All at once. Oh, yeah, no, that's totally... Yeah, because he's got, like... He's, like, medieval, but he also has a yeah. mullet. Yes! Yes! And David oh, Thulin, yeah. I think, is in that, too. There is... Okay, there is a part... This is so far off from what we were talking yeah. about. But there is a part <laughs> of Dragonheart where his voice cracks, and it is, like... <laughs> 
the most like Nicolas Cage performance. Oh God. You know, it is like where basically <laughs> Draco come it's the part where Draco comes out and basically saves Bowen from King Ivan. Iden, whatever his name is. I don't know. The, yeah. the, the bratty kid who's basically, I guess, proto Oh, God, he's proto-Joffrey. Yeah? Yeah? He's proto-Joffrey. He has, like, a weird relationship with his mother. He's, like, yeah. just this little blonde brat. Oh, my yeah. God. This is all making so much sense. Um. Anyways, so Draco comes out and saves him, and Dennis Quaid is like, why did you come out? I had everything under control. <laughs> like exactly like that. Uh, no. Had, and like his voice cracks. He's like, I had everything under control. <laughs> and they just kept it in. They were like, we're only doing one takes. This movie's yeah. budget is insanely low. <laughs> we can only afford Sean Connery for <laughs> the length of what <laughs> Yeah. The length of his <laughs> Oh god. His dialogue. <laughs> Oh man, what a good place to end on cryptids. Yes. Uh yeah, so I guess if nothing else, go check out Dragon. Dragon Art. Yeah, go watch Dragon Art again and uh enjoy cuz I'm sure it aged fine. Oh yeah. It's like fine <laughs> wine. Exactly. It is like it is God, ugh, we have to rewatch that. All we're right. We're going to have well, to do that. That's an All right. Well, thing. we know what we're doing. Um, that won't be next time because next time I believe is our 26th episode yeah it is six months of the hard hitting news of Florida cryptids and uh, contemporary art and ancient history uh, all in one place yep and wrapped Mm -hmm. up with existential questions regarding cars too all the time all of the time, all of the time. Um, I do really hope we revisit cryptids again soon, and mm-hmm. uh, I would love to pull some more uh, Florida cryptids. Uh, you know, I, I miss the sound of the cicadas and, you know, just those, those the breezy palm trees and just off in the distance, someone's playing some Jimmy Buffett and... Ah, uh, takes me back. No, we'll have to definitely revisit this again because I think there's yeah, so much. Yeah, we'll have to talk about the skunk ape. Oh, yeah. Now, that's a Florida cryptid, the skunk ape. Yeah, that's one I'm not very familiar with besides the name, to tell you the truth. Yeah, well, guess what it is. It's it's an ape that smells really bad. It's like Bigfoot, <gasps> if, but, but if Bigfoot <laughs> had B.O. Oh, BF. God. B.F. has B.O. Jesus. Anyways, um... So next time we have a very special episode to bring you uh, Mm -hmm. here at the UCM. We are very excited about it. So please, please stop by. Um, We hope you enjoyed your time here today. Joe, you got anything you got to plug? Uh, just that my other, my other work, the midnight drive is live on radiopapese.org. So feel free to go check that out. And uh, my artwork will have been up at the uh, Decisional Gallery in Ruskin, Florida. If uh, you're able to go by and check out my work and all the great other yes. all the other great artists exhibited there, if nothing else, they also have a cool uh, saltwater fish tank in their Ooh, uh, entryway. Fun. So uh, you can look at the art and you can look at some fish. 
Sounds um, like a good plan. And across the street is a uh, billboard that uh, you know says Jesus is love too. So there's right. a lot of inspiration to be found. There's also a really <laughs> good uh, taco stand right across from it. Um, I ate there last time I dropped off my uh, uh, artwork. Uh, there was a chicken walking around, so it's fresh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, if you would like to find the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at Xanasaurus. And you can find me on Instagram as at Josemino Art. And we'd also really appreciate and love if you could leave the museum a review or some sort of message of sorts. Yeah, if you have any suggestions for us, uh, things to cover, if you have any comments, please send them to us. But yes, again, please, please leave us some ratings and reviews uh, so we can uh, hopefully reach some more people and get to Mm -hmm. talk about more stuff because this has been a really fun project for us. Yeah. And we look forward to continuing it uh absolutely you're not going to you know get rid of us that easily (laughs) no no absolutely not so please tell your friends and family and um we'll have an upcoming special exhibit here soon but we're not going to tell you what it is because it's a secret Mm -hmm. tell your friends tell your family tell the mysterious monster that lives in the lake to listen to the uncanny county museum from the Uncanny County Museum. I have been a giant penguin. No, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Semino. Bye. Bye.